This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. Leon Corston's love of horses was ignited the day he patted a draft horse over a paddock fence near Woodside in the Adelaide Hills. A few years later, he was riding work for a jumps trainer called Ted Downs at Oakbank, and that led him to an apprenticeship with champion trainer Graham Hegney. Leon's riding career was quickly terminated by increasing weight. He rode 50 winners in just three years, and he can dine out on the fact that he won three or four races on a spectacular filly called Proud Miss, who won 10 straight as a two-year-old before finishing second in a golden slipper, when ridden by Jimmy Johnson. Leon gave racing away for eight years, which he spent working for the tip-top bakeries, but inevitably he was drawn back to the horses. He worked in Adelaide for Bart Cummings for a while before being appointed as his Melbourne foreman, and he excelled in that role for 19 years before going solo in 1994. Leon enjoyed 16 years as a trainer in his own right before teaming up with son Troy in 2010. Leon Corstens has been kind enough to join us from Team Corstens Geelong Stables, and I've got a few questions for him. Leon, lovely to have you on the podcast. Thanks, John. Mate, when you and Troy decided to open up the Geelong operation, the plan was that you'd have 18 horses. That suited you down to the ground. What happened? Well, John, I was getting a little bit older and I just wanted to take it a little bit easier. Um, and then, first of all, we started off, we had a, they built us a stable for 18, and I thought, oh, well, that's great. Mm. And it's a lot easier at Geelong because you sort of walk out with the horses and you're practically right on the track, like, you know. Mm. And, and lo and behold, a year later or, you know, a few months later, Troy had another stable built of 18, 18, 18 stables. Mm. Uh, so that amounted to 36 <laughs> and uh, and since then he's he's found another place there. So I think we've got about forty forty five something like that horses there now, like you know. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be taking it a bit easier. I don't think I've ever worked as hard. Yeah, a little all right. Um, yeah, in the afternoons I get a little bit tired, but uh, <laughs> no, we still keep we still keep plugging away. The filly to get Team Corstens going was Commanding Jewel. Now, you trained her originally to win a 1,000 guineas, a Group 1, and a Group 2 Let's Elope Stakes, but after the partnership was formulated, she won the Let's Elope Stakes again. You wouldn't believe it. No, she was a great filly. Um, we were sort of lucky to have her early doors. She had quite a few joint problems uh, before she ever got to the races, and I think I think the off-front joint was operated on, mm-hmm. and uh, she came good, like you know. So uh, she done a super job for us. Really, really good. The horse to give the partnership a real boost was Awesome Rock. Now, you and Troy won a Group 1 Emirates Stakes. You won a Group 2 Dato Tan Chin Nam. Um, he won a listed race at Flemington. He ran second in the Australian Cup. He won more than $2 million, in fact. Yeah, he was a really good horse. We bought him. I think um, uh, Brad Spice sort of uh, brought it to our attentions when I went to the sales uh, 
game first. And I really liked, he come, told me to go and have a look at the horse and I really liked what I seen. I think I went back about four or five times to go and go and have a look at him. Um, and uh, Stan Sarek ended up buying him, I think, paid something like 400 something like that for him, like, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a little bit unlucky, really, because he hurt his ho hock on the, on the walker. Mm -hmm. He kicked out or something and uh, sort of split it right open. Mm -hmm. And he was lucky to, to come back, really, because we had him – we had him in a cast. We had him in a cast for a while, and that's really playing with fire when you, when you sort of uh, on, on a mobile joint like a hock, mm. uh, John. That it, it's very very hard to immobilise a minute like horses, you know. So mm. uh, he had that there for about two or four or five weeks, and had to keep keep you know keep an eye on him practically all the time. So uh, as he got up, that he got up the right way, like you know, and didn't snap the leg. Now, do you still call the partnership Malua Racing? Um, yeah, uh, I think Troy, Troy, when he was with John Sadler, uh, formed a partnership and they called it Malua Racing. And uh, mm. when John left Troy, um, Troy sort of maintained that, I don't know, Malua won Melbourne Cup or something like that. I'm not sure. Oh, Leon, he was a hell of a horse. He raced in the 19th century and just for – people who may be curious, in a nutshell, have a listen to this, Malua. He won a new market handicap. He won an Oakley plate. He won an Australian Cup. He won the 1884 Melbourne Cup. And if you think that's good, listen to this. He also won the 1889 Grand National Hurdle. <laughs> what sort of a horse? <laughs> Hey, he won an Oakley Plate, a new market, and a Grand National Hurdle. What sort of a horse was Malua? Oh, I reckon. I suppose I should feel privileged that were that were under that banner. Aye, oh, and later on, he sired a Melbourne Cup winner, a horse called yeah. Malvolio in eighteen ninety one. Yeah, he was some horse, wasn't he? Now you and Troy got a big kick two years ago when you won the Group One Vinery Stud Stakes at Rose Hill Gardens in Sydney with Montoya's Secret. You were there on the day. I was, uh, Tappy. We, um, I was trying to coax Troy into running the uh, filly. I think there was a uh, nice race coming up in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. I think, and I thought, oh, we'll go that way uh, to make it a little bit easier. But Troy was very adamant that we go to Sydney with this filly, like, you know. Um, um, so I went over to Sydney with her and uh, – um, I thought Calo give her a very, very, very good ride, mm. and I think that's what enabled us to to get the jockeys. Like you know, mm. uh, she done a super job. Even though Troy grew up in a racing environment, he wasn't all that keen to be a trainer early on, was he? No, John. He he used to get asthma, something shocking. Uh, we had him, you know, early early in his uh, in his early age. Uh, we had him in hospital. Very, very often, uh, he'd come down with asthma, and then they'd have him on the drip. Um, he he had cortisone for quite some time, like you know, uh, and gradually he sort of outgrew it. He still gets asthma quite bad now if he hangs around him too long, like, you know. But uh, uh, he's a hell of a lot better than what he used to be. And what of your elder son, Kevin? He started with you and Troy, but he's now solo. Yeah, look, he's been a little bit unlucky, Kev. He's uh, he's uh, really done me proud. He's really gone ahead and leaps and bounds. Um, 
he was with us. He was with us. Um, we were going to set up at Balnaring, and uh, we were there for a little while. And I think the track we we were working on wasn't quite as good as we'd liked, and that sort of made us go to Geelong. The Geelong thing come up, and uh, Kevin's partner Izzy, she came down with breast cancer, mm. and Kevin. Kevin sort of didn't want to move. He didn't want to upset her, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, like, you know, so he decided to stay Bell Narring while we went to uh, to uh, Geelong. Mm. And uh, oh, he's done super by himself. He's really done well. Let's go back over your fascinating life, Leon. It's it's not common knowledge that you're of Dutch descent. You came from the Netherlands to Australia in 1949 with your mum and dad and three brothers at the time. That's right. Yeah, I was always nicknamed uh, the boy that had the finger in the dike, <laughs> especially, especially, especially when I went to school. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> probably the most famous to... little Dutch boy of all, isn't he? <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness mm. me. Well, the family doubled after you came to Australia because your four sisters were born here. That's right, yeah. Um, and mind you, we've done a great job of looking after them, us kids, like, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, it was a bit different to what it is nowadays. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, your life in Australia started at the Bonagilla Migrant Reception and Training Centre near Wodonga, a very That's famous right. institution in its day, Leon. And do you know between 1947 and 1971, 300,000 migrants were housed in that complex. Gee, that's quite a few, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realise that. I've sort of never gone back there. I think we were in Bonagalia, I think, for about, or, or I'd say about eight or nine months. Mm. Uh, when we birthed in Melbourne, we went straight to Bonagilla. Mm. And from Bonagilla, we ended up in the Woodside Immigration Centre there. Yeah. And it's there that I sort of grew up a little bit more and uh, I got to know these people at Woodside with the horses like, you know. Mm. I think the first time you got the feel of a thoroughbred underneath you was at the Oakbank track with Ted Downs who trained a lot of jumpers, didn't he, at the time? Yeah, he trained a lot of jumpers and he had, a, he had quite a handy mare called Miss Heather mm. and I reckon I rode her a couple of times. Yeah. And um, no, he's Woodside was just a its own little community in racing, and quite a few quite a few good trainers came from down there. Mm. You were very lucky to gain an apprenticeship with a high profile trainer like Graham Hegney, who was flying in those days. He's a very very good trainer. Uh, old old blue, I call him that now because he's, he's he's gone. Mm. He wouldn't like that otherwise. But I mean, we just have to call him. Boss or Miss Pegney all the time. Yeah. Um, tough old fellow, very, very tough. Um, commanded a lot of respect, um, but a very, very good trainer uh, and a very good man with a horse. Yep. Well, here's something you must have dined out on a thousand times. You rode Proud Miss, a superstar two year old in the early 1960s. You know, between August 61 and March 62, she won 10 straight. Young Leon Corstens rode her in her very first start at Victoria Park in a half-mile flutter 
What happened there? She got beaten. She got beat, yeah. I think I think if I remember rightly, um, John, she ran, I reckon she ran fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a filly called Bounteous won the race, if I remember correctly. Pretty handy, um, yeah. Bounteous was very handy, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Jenner trained it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think on the day she was a bit green. Things just didn't sort of go right. She had been down down the straight before, um, she just wasn't quite good enough, you know. Mm. That's all I could say. Um, but then I think she ran in a race called, I think it was the Costa Plate in those days, and it was at Cheltenham mm. in Adelaide, and she just won the start and blew them away. So uh, she was a very easy rider. Yeah, and she did the same at Morfordville in the Cinderella Stakes, and she was winning those by big margins, wasn't she? Yeah, she did. The Cinderella Stakes, she won very, very easy. Um, you know, she's uh, one of those horses that sort of riders dream about to go to the front and just sit down. And you've, got, you've got nothing to do but just sort of make sure you stayed on. Mm. Well, she went to Melbourne after that. Jimmy Johnson took over, and she actually won five races in Victoria, again, by dominant margins, were you a little bit uh, put out when you weren't invited to ride her in Melbourne? Um, well, when uh, when she first left to go to Melbourne, I, I was down to ride her, uh, and then I think Jimmy was really good mates with the owner. Uh, mm. I think her name was Lindsay Cooper, if I remember correctly, mm. um, and uh, they decided that. Um, you know, uh, they'd need a more experienced rider in Melbourne, et cetera, et cetera, like, you know. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, so Jimmy took over and that was it. But you did get back on Proud Miss in Adelaide when she took on older horses. She had 46.5 in an open race and she bolted in. Yeah, she won very, very easy, Tappy, once again. She just flew to start and uh, just went to the front and uh, – you know, uh, she just uh, she was just too good for him on the day. Mm. Well, Graham sent her back to Melbourne. She won the Merson Cooper Stakes with Jimmy Johnson up. Then she came to Sydney for the Golden Slipper. She started favourite at ten to nine in that slipper and ran second to Birthday Card and was clearly beaten by two lengths. She did win some races as a three-year-old. She struggled at four, although. At a very last start in a race, if my records are correct, you went to Melbourne to ride her. You ran second. I think I ran second at a, um, I think it was Caulfield. Mm. Um, it might have been a 1400. Look, I'm not quite sure uh, how far it was. Mm. Um, she jumped and uh, I think she just got beat. Oh, you know, she, I think she got beat about two or three lengths, but uh, she got okay. beat. But, but look, she, she ran a super race, and I was very, very proud to be able to ride Yeah, the old-timers talk about Proud Miss with great affection. She was a, a superstar two-year-old in the 1960s. Mate, you got to ride a pretty good stayer called Far Away Places, who actually ran in three Adelaide Cups. He won one, he finished third in another. Des Coleman rode him in those races, but you did win three on him. Yeah, he was actually he was my first city winner at uh, I'm pretty certain it was Victoria Park. Um, an old fellow by the name of oh, what's his name now? 
I think Wolf Tate was mm. his name. Yeah. And um, I, I was riding the horse work. Uh, I will say, I'll give myself a bit of credit here. Mm. I used to be pretty good at holding horses, like, you know, two even yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and I was pretty good at that, really. And he had he had two horses that I had to ride for him practically every morning, a horse called Hot Sun. Mm. And a horse called Faraway Places, mm. and uh, yeah, I, uh, I won, I won three on him, um, and uh, was really, really good. You suddenly lost your zest for racing. You got sour on the business. What caused that? Um, I had a couple of nasty falls. The first one was quite nasty. I think it was at Morpheville, mm. and uh, I looked like I having a real good day. I, I think I rode a winner, and I was down to ride, I think, about three or four other horses, and I had really good chances. Mm. I come down on a horse called Merry Knight. Mm. Uh, he's one of those hard pullers, and um, he was trained by Graham Hickney, and, and when old Graham told you to uh, – Make sure that you sort of block the horse and and, and give him give him you know mm. make sure that he didn't settle that etc etc early doors, yeah. um, which which I did and uh, I think it was just before the corner at at uh, Morville and uh, oh, I was flat out holding him like you know the horse was going to win easy mm. and uh, he's clipped something's heels and head over Turkey. I went and I think I woke up a couple of days later in hospital somewhere. Oh, no so, wonder you uh, got sour on the game. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think Wake caught up with me eventually. Tappy, mm. I was only a little fella when I first started there and uh, yeah. um, I started growing pretty quick and mm. uh, once I had a bit of time off uh, and I, I just got a bit heavy, uh, I think – I think at the time um, I was back about oh, four or five weeks. I rode another horse at Cheltenham, mm. uh, clipped something's heels and head over Turkey and went again. I think I broke my arm that time and uh, <laughs> I was out for I was out for quite a while again and the weight just sort of went up and up like, you know. And then I found it very, very hard. Yeah. Leon, I'll get you to stand by there for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast and then we'll come back and hear about your eight years in the bakery business. Back with Leon Corstens after this. The recent Great Southern Sale at the beautifully renovated Oakland's Junction Complex was an outstanding success. The select weanlings offered on the first two days averaged over $32,000 with a clearance rate of almost 80%. 22 of them sold for $100,000 or more. The broodmares also enjoyed considerable increases across all key indicators. An average of 25,000 up 27%, a median of 8,000 up 45% and a gross of 5.1 million up 15%. Top of the market was again very strong with nine horses selling for $200,000 or more. Across four days of selling, the gross was almost 17.7 million up 11%. It's time for vendors to switch the attention to the 2020 yearling sales and entries will open in early July. Go to inglis.com.au. My special guest is champion horseman Leon Corstens, speaking to us from Geelong. Leon, you went away from racing for eight years. You became a baker. You worked for the very famous company Tip Top, didn't your dad work there at the same time? 
Um, no, my dad, my dad worked for uh, um, a firm called Opie's, which was further down the road in Hunley, right. and I, I worked at Tip Top, which was at Colonel Light Gardens. Mm. Dad was a baker, though. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was yeah. a baker. Well, slowly the power of the thoroughbred began to draw you back, and you went to work for an emerging young horse trainer called Bart Cummings. I think you kicked off as a work rider there, didn't you, at that time? Yeah, I did. I, I, I think I was with him for about oh, eight or nine months riding track work. And he, in, in that time, he asked me numerous occasions to come and be his foreman in the Adelaide. And uh, I said, nah, nah. I said, I don't want to do it full time. I just want to st- stick to what I'm doing. I'm quite happy doing that. Mm. But uh, uh, finally, he is... I succumbed and uh, I ended up being his foreman. Well, your life changed completely around 1975 when he sent you to run his Melbourne stables in Fisher Parade at Ascot Vale. Uh, Many years, many great horses, many thrills and many satisfying moments. Um, Yes, uh, very satisfying, in fact, I think. I'd been there oh, for a while, and I think our first Melbourne Cup uh, entrant was a horse called Golden and Black, mm. and uh, we got beat. It was, it was a miserable, miserable day. We thought, first of all, that Golden Black was going to be very, very hard to beat. He looked absolute treat mm. um, the day he ran second, but a horse called Vanderham beat us, uh, uh, and he was an absolute mudlark, Vanderham. Mm. Uh, we ran second, and... Uh, um, no, it was it was a good day in one aspect, but terrible, like you know. Yeah, uh, I was there yeah. that day, Leon. I actually called that Melbourne Cup for Channel Nine Network, and that was the day of the freak storm at Flemington. I've never seen rain like it. No, I remember when we were saddling uh, Golden Black. And I don't know how Bart used to do these sort of things. Uh, I think the Lord Mayor of Perth was with him, mm. and the rain was pelting down that hard mm. that whilst we were saddling the, saddling the horse, it was coming in directly on us, like, you know. Mm. So here's a fellow like the Lord Mayor of Perth with top hat and tails on, <laughs> and Bart had, Bart had him holding the rug up so the horse wouldn't get wet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and believe me, only Bart could do those sort of things. No one else would get away with it. No, but Golden Black won the cup the following year. He did, yes, yeah. And uh, we look, we beat a horse, uh, and uh, look, he was a crowd favourite. The horse we beat, and uh, we got a lot of nasty calls after after that cup win. But uh, look, uh, that was in the past, so, you know. Leon, if we were to pay tribute to all of the great horses you looked after, we'd be here for a month. So let me just throw a few at you that I happen to know you were very fond of. Now, one of them was a beautiful mare called Maybe Mahal. She won 14 races. Five were Group 1s. She won the Lightning Stakes twice. And um, actually, no, it was a Group 2 in her era. So you could say she won seven Group Ones, really. John, I remember her coming off the float at uh, at Bart's place in in Grenell, and look, uh, 
she got off the float and oh, she was knee high to a grasshopper. And mm. I remember going into Bart's office, and I think both Pat and Bart were sitting in. And I remember asking Bart, um, I said, Gee, "Which which rabbit barrow did we get this one out of?" <laughs> and she, she look honestly, she was that small, you know. Yeah. Was very very cantankerous in I'd say the first six seven months. She was very cantankerous. Whenever we took her to the beach, yeah. you could oh you could. Bet any money you like, she'd get away some somehow, somewhere, and be up in the sand hill somewhere like that. You know? So we'd have to go and catch her. But um, I think the first time we give her a trial, she sort of transferred from there on. She became a racehorse overnight, virtually. Yeah. No, she was a wonderful mare, maybe Mahal. She finished up in Sydney and won the Doncaster. I think she had 57K. Kevin Langby rode her. He very rarely rode for Bart. And she came off uh, consecutive wins in the Lightning and the Newmarket. She was in rare form uh, that autumn. And and it was a time when she really, in, in that era, she really blossomed in, in herself. I, I can remember her coat just gleamed like, you know, she just, mm. she, she, she was at a very, very peak. I think the Doncaster was her last race, Leon. I think she was retired after that, and I've often wondered why she was going so well. I don't know. Look, I don't exactly know why she was retired. That, that I don't know. Because oh. um, I, I remember she had one season at Stud, and um, she went to Stallion. And if I remember correctly, I think she went to a horse called Triton. Mm. And, um, oh, she she never got in foals from what uh, – the fellow John St. John Lanes, I think she was standing. The mm. fellow there said that she wouldn't have any bar of it at all. But like you know, she used to mm. kick out at the stallion and mm. everything. Everything they did just never helped. Like, mm. and she came back, and that's when I think that's when she became a good top racehorse. She was. Yep. Now, just before we leave Golden Black, you were trying to think of the name of the horse that he beat in the nineteen seventy seven Melbourne Cup a horse who'd had enormous publicity and there was great public affection for him. And reckless. Well, yeah, reckless. Tommy Woodcock was the trainer. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, look, we hated beating the horse because I think I think he'd won three or four races before then and he was the crowd favourite, really. And, mm. um, like I said, I think Golden Black really looked the part and we thought he'd be very, very hard to beat. And we've got a few nasty calls after the race, but oh, well, what can you do? You know, that's racing, isn't it? Another great stayer that you had a lot to do with was the dual Melbourne Cup winner, Think Big, 74-75. I don't think he won a race in between, did he? I don't think he either did, um, John. Uh, I, I remember him coming from New Zealand um, as a yearling. And I think we had him in the box for quite some time. We used to have to stick our heads over the door to see where he was. He was that small. Mm. Uh, but finally gelded him and he sort of developed and developed and uh, became, oh, I suppose, you know, he'd have been around about 16 hands, something like that. Big enough, um, yeah. Oh, he's certainly big enough, like, you know. But he took a little while to win a race, but but I always had the utmost faith in this particular horse. Mm. He was a specialist two-miler. He certainly was. And he provided your great mate, Harry White, with two of his four Melbourne Cup winners. Yeah, I think 
I think from what I hear, I wasn't in Melbourne at the time, from, but from what I hear is I think before the second Melbourne Cup, uh, Harry was sleeping in the ambulance room yeah. and had to go. I had to go and wake him up before the race. Yeah. Mr. Relaxation. <laughs> That's him, yeah. Leon, what about that exquisite, athletic, beautiful little mare, Leilani? She won 14 yeah. from 29. You looked after her the day she won her maiden at a place called Gawler, and you tell me the wind, a decent wind would have blown her over. There wasn't much of her. Oh, look, she was she was that light. It wasn't funny, Tappy. I think she won the race. And uh, Bart tipped her out shortly afterwards. Um, when she came back, a fellow by the name of Charlie Malovich, who used to do a lot of track riding for Bart, um, and he rode, he rode her, I think, in the first two or three trials. We used to have trials at Morpherville. Balaclava, and um, I think the last trial she had, uh, Charlie got off her and said to Bart, he said, I think you better take this to, to Melbourne. He said, this is too good for here. And uh, really? I think she won first up over 1,400 in a race at Caulfield, I think. Yeah. Oh, she had a wonderful record. She won an AJC Oak. She won a Turnbull Stake. She won a two-rack handicap. She bolted away with a Caulfield Cup on a heavy track with Mick Mallion up. She won a McKinnon. She got a stiff penalty for the Melbourne Cup after winning the Caulfield. Uh, but think big. She had it won. Peter Cook rode her in the Melbourne Cup. She looked home and I'll think big came along to blow her out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, she was unlucky really to bump into think big that, at that particular time. Yeah. Uh, I think think big was just a better stay on the day. Yeah. Uh, but she was she was a wonderful man. She was a wonderful man. Third of April, nineteen seventy six. Leon, she ran at Rose Hill. I can still see it. It was the Tancred Stakes. She ran last. Roy Higgins. I, I think Roy dismounted immediately after passing the winning post and actually led her back in. She was dead lame. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know what happened at that time. But uh, like you said, Higo had a great affinity with her and he, he was a bit like that. Higo, the moment he thought something was not right, that's what he'd do. He'd hop off and, and just walk and leave back. Bart Cummings was revered as a trainer of stayers, but he also had some damn good sprinters. And three that you liked a lot, in fact, you rode them all work, I think, Carp Don Teeb, Crown and Century, and I think they were all new market winners, weren't they? Yeah, I'm sure all three of them won a new market, uh, Tuppy. Um, I remember riding Crown. Uh, he was a very, very hard puller. I used to have to get a result on him when I used to ride him over in Adelaide. And uh, mm. I, I, yeah, I, I was lucky enough that I was open, strong enough to be able to hold him. Um, I think a fellow by the name of Bobby Gard owned old Crown, and mm. uh, he, he was a, he was a really good bloke. Mm. Well, Leon Corsons, this is the end of part one of our interview. Uh, we're going to go out on that note, talking about those three wonderful sprinters. When we come back for part two, we're going to talk about a big, raw-boned mare that landed in the coming stable in the mid-1990s, destined for greatness. Back with Leon in part two shortly. 
The recent Great Southern Sale at the beautifully renovated Oaklands Junction Complex was an outstanding success. The select weanlings offered on the first two days averaged over $32,000 with a clearance rate of almost 80%. 22 of them sold for $100,000 or more. The broodmares also enjoyed considerable increases across all key indicators. An average of 25,000 up 27%, a median of 8,000 up 45% and a gross of 5.1 million up 15%. Top of the market was again very strong with nine horses selling for $200,000 or more. Across four days of selling, the gross was almost 17.7 million up 11%. It's time for vendors to switch the attention to the 2020 yielding sales and entries will open in early July. Go to inglis.com.au